to the centre of Manchester, you will know that Tottenham are shit. Tottenham Hotspur are shit. Hello and welcome back to From Dull Square to Where for the first time in absolutely ages. Um, just uh, been talking off air. I think the last time we podcasted was after the Crystal Palace game, which seems a lifetime away now. But it's great to be back. Really, really chuffed to have such a great um, panel with me today as well uh, to discuss what's been happening, the Arsenal and all things around it. I've got to Ray back with us uh, this week. How are you, Ray? Great to have you. Yeah, very well, thank you. And thank you again for having me. Uh, what a, what a weekend, eh? Um, I, I literally can't wait to discuss it. So, yeah, yeah I'm really looking forward to it. I've probably read every article out there and listened to every podcast about it already, but I'm still <laughs> not sick of I'm oh, still I'm not sick of it, no. <laughs> uh, no, you, how can you be? And I d- can't wait to get started and get, uh, discussing it all. And Kunjan, great to have you back, mate. Great to see you. <laughs> Good to see you too, buddy. You, I know you asked for Bono, but we got the poor man version. So we have to deal with that. <laughs> no, it's brilliant. Fantastic. I can't wait to see you. And, oh, I was going to say hello to Ryan, but he just dropped off again. I'm sure he'll be back in the So you had, a poor man, you had a poor man's Bono, now you have the poor man's David Blaine who disappeared in a second. <laughs> and he's back. He's what? back, as if, as if by magic, like Mr. Ben. <laughs> if you know, you know. Uh, Ryan, how are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, yourself. And, yeah, thanks for having me on as well. And looking forward to having another discussion about the North London derby and them yeah. not down the road being shit. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, like I said, it's, it's, a, it's a joy to be back. Um, I haven't had a chance to speak about so many games so far. I mean, this this season, um, we sit literally top of the table. That You never know it when you watch any kind of media about the... Premier League at the moment, we never hardly get discussed, but who cares? Because we're still looking down on the likes of Manchester City, despite the fact they score eight goals a game and they've got a bloke, a bloke that just bangs in hat-tricks game after game after game. We're still ahead of them. Um, would you believe it? So, yeah, let's get started, really. And I mean, we've got to talk about the North London derby. Um, my quick thoughts, really, because I was in the car driving down back home after a weekend away. I was just talking with Ray about off-air, and the team news came up, and my girlfriend, she read out the team for me, because I was driving, and I was really quite pleasantly surprised, that I'm, because I, I didn't know what to expect, really, but to have our full team available on the pitch was really, really pleasing to me, and gave me a massive boost in the lead-up to the game. I mean, let's talk about that for just a quick second, Ray. I mean, what... 
were your thoughts? Were you expecting that full team to be announced? You know, including Partey, Erdegaard, Jinchenko, yeah. etc. It, it was really pleasing to me. Yeah, um, not really, to be honest, Andrew. It was a, it was a real pleasant surprise. Um, I think uh, Thomas Partey got injured, didn't he, just before yeah. or just during international duty before the first game, supposedly, mm. and had to come back. And as soon as that happened, I was not writing this game off, but I was thinking it was going to be a, a real challenge. So to see him back in the side and obviously the performance he had was was great. Um, mm. Also, you know, we've, uh, I think it's only, again, please correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was Smith-Rowe and Elneny of our first team that were injured and then pretty much everyone else yep. was was fully fit, yep. right? So, yeah, um, it was it was brilliant. And, uh, yeah, we were able to keep a, a, a pretty settled size out once again, aren't we? Yeah, I mean, I, I was um, a little, not surprised, but, I mean, after the fact that... Um, you know, Kieran Tierney has been doing so well lately. Um, you know, whilst Zinchenko had his little knock and was coming back, uh, you know, that he started with Zinchenko, uh, Zinchenko at left back. And I mean, again, what were your thoughts really when the team news came out? So um, I was, I was, I was actually hoping that if we, if we didn't have Thomas Partey, I'd love to have seen Zinchenko play uh, mm. the holding midfielder's role. Um, because again, it would have been a different dynamic to see him move up and Tierney on the left. I, I think it would give us a, a very solid foundation um, having that structure. But when I saw Thomas Partey, I, I obviously knew. I, I think the way things are looking, um, Tierney has become our um, our, our backup left left back. And, and let's not complain. That's fantastic. Um, we were complaining. We were complaining last season when. Uh, we had Nuno Tavares as our, our, our backup. Now we have like a phenomenal. We I wouldn't I wouldn't go as far as to say world class, but he's he's quite up there, um, Kieran Tierney, and and I like the fellow. In fact, I was even thinking about this the other day. I'm like, if Tavares was to come back with Tierney's um, uh, range, would we be considering him as a left centre back? Because I think Zinchenko has made the left back his role. Uh, Tavares would play uh, back up and it's a totally different game from what Tierney brings on or what Zinchenko brings on. Mm -hmm. Would that mean that Karen Tierney would be left centre-back with Gabriel? Because uh, we may get to this hopefully later on, but Gabriel is looking like the chink in the armour right now. Um, I, I love the guy. I think he has a, a, a very strong aura of positivity and he's, he's, he's a robust defender, but he also has those mistakes that he has to get out of his system. But it was a good starting eleven. I think um, it's the same starting eleven we had uh, against Crystal Palace. Um, so I think it did it did give us that uh, camaraderie between the eleven. It, it did have that 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 flow that we had going on uh, from the first game of the season. It was it was a good starting. I I think every Arsenal fan was quite confident going to this North London derby. It. It wasn't as easy as it looked, um, but but it was it was a good starting eleven, and I was happy seeing Zinchenko there. And the, Thomas Partey, I wasn't expecting him to start, but thank God he did. I think we ran the midfield, and our midfielders were a one, not a single flaw in their performance. Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. And just same question to you, uh, Ryan. I mean, were there any surprises for you there 
um, when the, when the lineup was announced, and how were you feeling when it came out? When that, what was your actual feeling when that lineup came out? How were you feeling then about you know confidence wise? Uh, yes, my main my main surprise was Partey because as I say before, he did apparently pick up an injury, so I was concerned about this game. Like, would he have any any say in the game, sort of thing? Would he be in a squad at, at all? Because we were led to believe he picked up a knock against Brazil, I think it was. Or was yeah. training for, the, for that game and basically got flown back. Frankly, that went, it's clearly we're, we're being shit-housed yeah, shit, shit at its finest in terms of we're doing what the other clubs usually do and go, can't play, got an injury, get him back over here, please. And they're literally spending more time here, which is a good thing, and what's going to happen in the World Cup as well, by the looks of it. And... Um, he didn't. He didn't look. He didn't look like he had an injury either. He just no, like the, no, far from the it. We've come accustomed to the last twelve months or so. Like he's settled in now. He knows the league. He knows what he's got to do. He knows his role. Um. Aside from that, I wasn't surprised if Zinchenko started because with Tierney, we have to remember he did have an injury back in the last season. They did try bring back in pre-season. He only lasted half an hour. He's had an injury since, so I think now with someone like Zinchenko in the squad, it's more of a not if you've got competition for, for your place now, Tierney, but we don't have to rush you back now and cause any more unnecessary injuries or anything like that. It's we're going to ease you back in, but at the same time, it's not guaranteed when you're fully fit that you've got a position, you've got a, a starting 11 position, you've got a popular place now. And it's the same for Ben White and Tommy that side of things. We discussed this last night in my podcast. Um, for me, stand-up, again, one of the stand-up players for me on Saturday, one of, was Martinelli. He literally just, every time he got that ball, he just ran. He has, he, he played, I love him because he plays with no fear. He gets the ball and he runs with it and he all, he don't care who you are as a defender. He would terrify yeah. you. <laughs> to your, to his Can you imagine life. playing against him. Oh, he was skinning up a lot of their players, wasn't he? On that yeah. side, and I know we'll go into it a bit later, but hence why uh, Emerson yeah. Royale had to make that foul because I think he was getting roasted by him time and time again. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. I mean, uh, I think it was it the second half when he he took the ball from one end of the pitch to the other, like that dribble all yeah. the way down the left hand side. Around, like, yeah, what a, what a player! I mean, come on, yeah. Let's let's go on. Let's so go on to that. Sorry, sorry. go on. Sorry. I was going to say, we we discussed it last season, throughout the season, was his, his body strength. He's actually, since last season, he's, up, he's improved that. Whereas, when I, when I say that, it's like when a defender goes up against him, he's not afraid to, not to fight for the ball, but he's he's dead. He's going to hold it. He's going to hold it. And you've got, you have to literally break his leg, basically, to get the ball off him. Yeah. And I, I'm not, I, I like seeing the little things like, you know there's a chink in your armour, you improve it. Absolutely. I mean, we're, we're still, a, everyone goes on, we're still a young team, but we we do not play like a young team anymore. I mean, we play like a mature, well-rounded team that's been together for a long time, you know, and that's what's so exciting about the, the whole thing. I mean, let's just start sort of having a quick chat about the, the game then, Ray. Um, yourself, we started off like a like a train, didn't we? I mean, right from the first whistle, really, we were just at them and at, on their throats straight away. It was just a, a joy, wasn't it? And that, that calmed the nerves very early doors as well with the way that we started the game, didn't it? 
Yeah, it really did. Um, I don't know whether it's either their tactics or or how we sort of pin them back. Maybe it was a combination of both. But it seemed like we um, we really sort of kept them in their own sort of half and box, really, didn't it? Um, and whenever they were able to sort of get the ball and, and try and break, we were able to sort of nick it back. And when they tried to press us, we were just able to play through it. Um, again, something Thomas Partey is, is so really, is so good at. Um, and yeah, like like you said, it was it was pretty much a sort of domination. I thought really for most of the game. I think um, Spurs might have had a twenty minute spell, sort of towards the end of the, the first half. But really, um, yeah, really, it was it was just comfortable. I thought and and actually really enjoyable. Um, yeah, as we mentioned, you know, the likes of Martinelli just uh, taking the ball and and skinning up their players for fun. Uh, the way Saka got the ball and had two or three men on him, but that wasn't a problem. He could still shift yeah. and find space, and um, and and the likes of Xhaka uh, and and Partey uh, really dominating that midfield. Because um, I know about you guys, I heard a lot about Bentoncourt and Hoiberg. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, I saw a lot of combined 11s with uh, with them two in, and I thought they got absolutely <laughs> bossed in that game. Oh, mate, honestly, I think they're just hod carriers. That's what they are. I mean, if Thomas Partey could play like this week in, week out because of his, you know, his fitness, his health, mm-hmm. it, I don't think there's a better midfielder in the league, really, th- to do what he does. It's no. unbelievable. Absolutely no. unbelievable. I mean, coming to you now, Kunjan, I mean, it really did, like Ray just said, and Go through the way that we took a grip on the game early doors. It calmed me down a lot. I know that's for sure um, because I just they just fill you with like a, an air of confidence. Now when you watch the team, I mean, you mentioned like you know I'm not going to talk dwell on it right at this moment, but you mentioned about you know maybe there's a chink with regards to Gabriel, blah blah. But overall, this squad. I just get so much confidence when they're on the ball now. And, and the way that we're playing is so su- sustainable that everyone should surely, all non-Arsenal fans that watch the game, should see now that the games that we're winning, it's not a fluke. You know, It's not like that run we had when under Unai Emery when we went 21 games unbeaten. And this is different. This is entirely different, isn't it? The way that we're playing. It's very sustainable and you can see that we are a very, very good team now. I think the difference between Unai Emery's uh, side and Arteta's is we can watch the game and say that's good football, that's enjoyable football. The, uh, I think every Arsenal fan, uh, fans, uh, every every ounce of their atom was was quivering every time Unai Emery put out his side because he was literally put like 15 men behind the ball and just ensured that one... I, 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 I feel like these tactics is something we watched over the weekend um, with a, a certain Italian man. Uh, he was he was trying to adapt the same thing, but I, I, I can't think of a name. I can't think of a name of someone who's, who, who fits that. But it's it's so enjoyable. It's not it's not uh, the 1980s counterattacking football style. It's not um, uh, a style which is pragmatic. It's actually. It's it's fluid football. I think um, when we used to watch Arsene Wenger and how he used to uh, evolve the midfield with the four-two-three-one, how he would get the wingers coming in, how he'd get the fullbacks, and 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 they would play the triangles. Arteta has that, but maybe not as silky 
But then again, when you watch even like a Man City, you can see there's a certain blueprint, but he's stamping his own authority. He's putting in a certain style. Um, if Man City were for like when, when they when they played over the weekend against uh, a bunch of uh, another another team with a very interesting manager, um, when City were four goals up, it's not like they went for the jugular. They also tend to take the foot off the gas, which I think we even we saw in the North London derby, which could also be Arteta trying to think about Liverpool because. You don't want Jesus to be suspended. You don't want Partey to uh, overrun himself going into the game. Small little things like that. But it was, even when the players came off, if Spurs were down, they were not down to 10 men, but they were down to 11, they were still um, with 11 men on the pitch. I think the the style, the, again, I use this word, uh, as I said earlier, the camaraderie between all 11 players on the pitch, there's a certain connect. It's, it's as if what Arteta always wanted is finally coming through. And whether, you know, people, people are, are, are pushing this under the, the, the rug, which is, which is fair about Arsenal's title hopes. I think every Arsenal fan can very confidently say that, we, yes, we may not win. We'll give a run. But one thing's are certain, whether or not whatever position we finish, we look like an assertive top four side. And Credit to Edu, credit to Arteta, credit to the players and to the entire coaching team for making us love the team even more this time round. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, come to you, now, Ryan, about the first goal. I mean, it was just a joy. I mean, before the first goal, we had that scare where we played that really high line um, from one of their free kicks and... Um, it squirted through and Aaron Ramsdale had to make a really, really good save, very underrated save, actually, I think. It was yeah. from a very close distance. And because of the way Richarlison got his foot on the ball, it wasn't a clean touch. And it, he was probably expecting a cleaner touch. So it positioned himself accordingly for where his foot was. But he came off at a bit of an angle. So he had very little time to actually act on that. And I thought he, he did really well in the end. But... That was just one a one-off thing, really. And, uh, yeah, the lead-up to the goal, I mean, everyone's sort of been talking about it. 22 passes leading up to that goal was quite reminiscent in, in some ways to the goal that Lacazette scored against um, Watford, I think it was, where the ball came in from the side and he hit it from just outside the box and it flew into the top right-hand corner, if you remember. Yeah. But this one was even sweeter, I think, because of the curl on the ball. And the way that Partey hit that ball with his side foot, he had a lot of power on it and a lot of lot of twist on it to get it into the top right-hand corner. And when, what a goal. And just a quick add-on that you, you can talk about, really. I had a um, comment about um, the spine of the team, if I can just find it here. Yeah, I saw it. Martinelli was great, but Xhaka, Partey, Saliba yeah. and Jesus is a solid spine. They're the most they the most important for us, sorry. Yeah, exactly. It's uh it is really, really apparent now. And when we've got Partey in the team, as we saw um at the weekend, he makes just a, so much difference. And as I say, I can't see much of a better midfielder well, midfield pairing, to be fair, if you if you include Jacker at the moment in the Premier League, the way that they're both playing. 
So, yeah, it was just a wonder, wasn't it, that, that goal? I mean, what were you thinking when he was just about to strike it? <laughs> Considering what we've seen in the past. Don't shoot. Going by his position, <laughs> just don't shoot. Because <laughs> <laughs> he even got his there to put the goalkeeper. No, but I, we said this, I said this last night to you, on, again, on, over on my podcast. It's the way it's, again, you, wouldn't watch, it makes, you watch it back again and again. And it, it just puts a smile on your face because... Oh, Saka's mm. down the wing, he passes it to Ben White. Ben White just perfectly, perfectly just late season in his eyesight, per se. So he just lays it off to him. And he just comes in, doesn't take the touch, and just controls it. It's like a con- perfect controlled shot. And it goes, as you say, because of where he was as well, he wasn't even directly facing up, up in front of the goal. It was like, he was like three or f- a couple, two or three yards of, of to the, to the right hand side of the post, but he's hit in such a way where it's curled even more outside the post and then hit chop bins. Mm. It makes that even better. That that goal, it was just like everything. And you said it, I think you, it's in, you mentioned it last time, but you said it last season. Partey will come back for us, play against Tottenham, and score yeah. his first goal with his foot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> But he's no, he's, a, it's just a one match late because I think he missed that one with, with injury, didn't he? Yeah. So he's been saving it ever since. Yep, exactly. No, it was it was a it was a, a, again a fantastic goal. And again, again for years, look, a few years we went for a stage where our midfielders, a our midfielders weren't scoring, and for years our midfield our midfielders and wingers and strikers weren't taking shots from outside the box. They'd want to yeah. walk it into the goal, as they used to say. But, so it's now refreshing. It's so refreshing to have these players that are winning to have that shot outside the box, no matter where it is in the, on the pitch. Have that shot, off. and it's mixing it up. It's, it's keeping the opponents on their toes because they don't know what's going to come. Because this ain't an Arsenal vs Wenger's era, as I say, that used to just pass, 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 pass it to death and walk it in or back in it. In view on me, um, we are now winning. To add, Shooting outside the box to our arm, we've got players and personnel. Marte had a reputation at Atletico for doing things like the scoring in sort of goals on a regular basis. We did take we did take the shots. We've got Jacker now in goal scoring form. We've got Sarko is willing to get the goals and assists as well. We've got Martinelli getting more, get starting to contribute more goals and assists into his game. We've got someone in the middle in Zayzus who we. Clearly, if we had him last year, we would never have had an issue with top four. Mm. That's clear as day. Because he is literally so hungry to pr- and motivated to prove Pep wrong. Um, He's everywhere. He is literally everywhere in that box. When he gets the ball, the, the ball's glued to his foot and he'll take on two three defenders in the box to get the shot off or get the pass off. Mm. I mean, the goal, the, getting to it probably later, but even Zayzus' goal, as you said, you said last night, reminiscent to a Ian Wright era, where he fights at every every little detail, every little chance he's got, yeah. he'll fight for it until he yeah, can't. Yeah, an Ian Wright goal. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And again, we've, we've screamed up for that. <laughs> so what what I love, sorry, sorry to cut you, Ryan, but what I loved about that was that um, how many times have we seen a player that might just be too clumsy and might just go straight into it? He had yeah. the um, awareness to actually hold off Romero, still control it, and still poke it, and not foul the goalkeeper. You know, it's, yeah, it's small yeah. details like that, isn't it? That yeah. you know, in the moment you don't really sort of think of, but when you watch it back, and you think, well, you know, 
with all due respect, Lacazette might have done that different and it might have been a different different outcome. Well, he Sorry, wouldn't have been in the box. He wouldn't have been in the box, would he? He, he wouldn't have been in the it. box, no, no. He wouldn't have scored that goal full stop last season. Go, go, go back to the documentary briefly for a second. There was an episode, I think it was the episode four or five of the, of the documentary on Amazon where Lacazette's got one on, a one-on-one session with the uh, was it Albert, I think it was. And they get a clip up of Benzema and his movement in the box. So clearly, they want they want a striker that does what Benzema does. And we've now got someone younger, fitter, hungrier. Mm-hmm. So he just does that. And as you mm. say, it's the little details now, holding off the defender, making sure you don't find the goalkeeper, and making sure you get the ball in the net and don't scuff it, scuff it wide. Mm. It's them little details. And <laughs> I'm ecstatic we've got him because it's not just his goals either, it's the assists. He's, he's contributing assists as well. And because yeah. of a certain person, a certain, well, I say person, not even human, let's be honest, up in Manchester, he's going under the radar. And I'm, I know what, I'm happy with it because we get on with our business, he can get on with his business, and we see what happens in May. I think it's only Haaland that has more goal contributions in the Premier yeah. League. Again, correct me if I'm wrong, but yeah, it's, it's incredible what he's doing for us. I think it's. Um... I think that, I think it's actually uh, Madison now, um, just behind Haaland after yesterday. I, I was watching the second bit of the second half of the Leicester game, Leicester Forest yesterday, and thinking just overtaking him. But yeah, regardless of that, he's just. I mean, the, the phrase transformational signing literally could have been made for Gabriel Jesus, couldn't it? Really, um, this season he's and well and. And so well. Forty-five million pound for a proven Premier League winning striker. I, I said at the time, didn't I, Ryan? When we signed him, people were moaning about the price because he's mm. only got a year left. And if you consider the, the quality of player we've got, it's an absolute bargain. Mm. Absolute yeah. bargain. If yeah. if anyone wants to sign him now because of the contract he's on and the form he's in, how much are you talking now? Seriously, for twenty-five-year-old Gabriel Jesus in this form with a long contract, I mean. Hundred million? More, that's like yeah, just yeah. more than that, yeah. Because of his contract, maybe more. Yeah. Well, do you remember? So they, do you remember? Sorry, um, do you remember in pre-season when I think it was the first game of the season? It was uh, Nuremberg we were playing, mm-hmm. and uh, we were two 0 down. I think it was after yeah. about half yeah. an hour. Yeah. And then they brought on Gabriel Jesus just before half time, I believe, and he come on and scored. And ever since that moment, it's it's changed for us. Since pre-season, yeah. ever since that moment, he's come in and he's he's absolutely run it for us. He's been brilliant. Um, yeah. The only criticism I can give him is he. I think he maybe should have had a couple more goals. But I'm being really harsh. He's been brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. No, I can't argue with that at all. But there, someone, um, yeah, going back to that that question really about the spine, it really is true. It really rings true. And I. I have to say, I mean, I'll come on to you in a second, Kunjan, about you know the comment you made earlier about Gabriel. I'm really, honestly, I'm really not worried about Gabriel at all. I think he's a fantastic player. I know you're not saying you're worried about him. I know you weren't suggesting that. But I think the partnership between him and Salibra is a really, really good one. And you mentioned this yesterday on the on your show, Ryan. There's something you can't have two centre backs that are too sort of identical that play in exactly the same way. It's almost like um, the way I put it, it's like a good cop, good cop, bad cop kind of partnership that they've got. Whereas Gabriel is is much more of a, an emotional sort of highly charged 
old-fashioned type of defender. He can be a bit erratic, but he's still young. He's still a young player. And in some ways, we'll go on to the, the, the penalty situation in just a second as well. Um, but then when you, you pair him alongside the really, really calm and serene and you know Rolls-Royce defender of, of Saliba, I think they really complement each other very, very well. Um, but let's move on to that penalty um, scenario, Ray, just, just briefly. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was was a bit of a catalogue of errors. I mean, Xhaka sort of miscontrolled it, sort of played yeah. it over to Richardson, and it was one of those things. And I think it's very, very tough to go for an entire game without making any any mistakes whatsoever. We clearly made a couple of mistakes in one passage yeah. of play, which led to it. And I think if, it, if Gabriel hadn't have made any kind of attempt to stop that shot from Richarlison, we'd all be moaning that he didn't make any yeah, attempt. Yeah, of course we would, yeah. It's one of those things for me. I just put it down to, you know, just one of those bad mistakes really all around. What, what were your thoughts about it? Did you, did you think it was a penalty first off? Because when I first saw it, I must admit, I, I thought it was a bit soft. But then obviously they showed it back and I thought, well, no, if, if that was the other way around, I'd be screaming for a yeah, penalty. Yeah, so. unfortunately, Andrew, I thought it was, uh, it was a stonewall penalty as soon as it was. Yeah. I, I did happened. when I saw the replay. I did when I saw the replay. Yeah, and I had yeah. had my head in my hands, just like you know, how has this happened? But um, yeah, as you mentioned, it was a bit of a um a, a poor touch from Xhaka, and he had a brilliant game. That was really his his only oh, yeah. uh, bad moment. Um, and of course, when it gets to a player like Richarlison, who I officially can't stand now, um, he's <laughs> up there with uh, Bruno Fernandez as one of my most hated Premier League players currently. Um, but you know, whether you want to say he's he's looking for it or he's clever, he's always gonna get himself in front of that ball and you know, he doesn't need any encouragement to go down, does he? Um, as you say, Gabriel has to go for it because if he just stands there, um Richarlison goes around him and we say, Why didn't you challenge? Um, unless he literally comes in and takes the ball first and cleanly, yeah. then I think that's the only way the only way that's not a penalty but then he's still got to get through Richarlison and he's always going to go down. Um, yeah. So, yeah, unfortunately, it was a penalty. Um, I do agree with you about uh, Gabriel in the team, though. I, I think we need to stick with him. I think um, he is making a lot of errors. And we're, we are fortunate because it hasn't cost us um, overly yet. We're still, you know, still getting results, even with him making errors. And... Uh, yeah, him and Saliba complement each other really well. Um, we could move Ben White there or even Tommy Asu, who plays there for Japan, I believe. But um, as you mentioned, it would uh, it would mean another relationship forming between him, Saliba, the goalkeeper, even the, um, the, the midfielders in front, Partey and whatnot. Um, so I just think we need to try and stick with it. Um, Gabriel has yeah. a lot of, lot of pluses that he brings to the side as well as as well as what he's doing at the moment. So let's yeah, just try and support so. him. Absolutely. I think so. And I think, uh, Clive, I think it was on the Barstool Vision podcast, made a very good point as well about Gabriel, is that he's being really, if you think about it, asked to play two, well, one and a half positions because our left back is playing, it's obviously it's like a left midfielder yeah. and he's having to cover all that space as well. And mm-hmm. um, he's doing, he, overall, He's doing a really good job, in my opinion, and 
Um, like I said, 24 years old. It's very, very young for a central defender still. Um, it's mm-hmm. too early for me to start panicking and thinking we've got to make a change. Uh, obviously, you know, if it carries on past Christmas, he's still making mistakes, you've got to have another look at it. But um, at the moment, I just think he's uh, a, a yeah, really good partner for, for Saliba. Um, I mean, Kunjan, no complaints really about the... Um, the, the penalty, I assume, from you either, but I think the, the 10 maybe minutes around that sort of figure after that penalty was just the only time really where I got a little bit worried and I was talking to Ray off air about this. I suddenly started to think, oh God, it's not going to be like another Man United game, is it? Where they just suddenly, it's out of nowhere, a long ball comes and they just catch us on the break and they take the lead or something even though we're dominating the match. I suddenly started having those feelings just for a short period of time. I mean, how, how are you feeling after around that sort of period when you're watching the game? So the one thing is that I, I go back to last season. We need to start winning both our halves. And the minute you do that, I mean, by logic, by mathematic logic, it's you've won the game. Yeah. Um, going into uh, the break, one all, anything and everything can happen. Um Exactly what you just said, that next thing you know, Tottenham are going to start playing the long balls because the front three were quite pacey. We're playing a high line. One one ping from Perisic or from, um, let's say, someone like Hoiberg from the middle of the park, and we're stretched. Yeah. So that was something that I was a little worried about because that's how we got punished against United. Despite what everybody said, that we were the better team, we played, played the better game, we were um, uh, on top throughout the match, yet the score does not reflect that. We lost 3-1 because of a small little lapse in concentration because we took United very much for granted. We're like, we got this. And we, sh- we shouldn't have gone into the break um, one all. I genuinely feel we... And again, if you watch the first half, we had a lot of opportunities. Even in the second half, um, I think you will obviously mention this later on, but we had a clear-cut penalty because if Richarlison is falling like a ton of bricks and Jesus falls like a bag of feathers, both said and done, they both fell and it was in the yeah. same manner. Um, so. Why weren't we given the penalty? Because, I don't know, maybe Richarlison has a flair for falling while Jesus is a little more humble in his mm. fall, I guess. Um, yeah. But I, I do believe we had we deserve the penalty. Even in the first half, um, we had a lot of opportunities where we could have converted. I think Martinelli had an opportunity where we we could have um, gone two on two nil up at the time. Um, Odegaard, like Odegaard, has this in his game where he'll have a clear cut shot and he should take it, but he'll play a pass. So we've had so many of these opportunities where we're like, if we did take these opportunities, we would have had a much healthier scoreline than what reflected. And this is something going forward we have to consider. We can't just score and then shut shop, take the foot off the gas. The teams are not going to are not going to um, be Tottenham. We're going to face a Liverpool. We're going to face a Man City. We're going to face a Chelsea, and they're going to punish us if we do that. So um, yeah. at one all at halftime, I was a little. A little concerned because of our high line, which no complaints in the tactics. It's just 
again, when I speak of the chink in the armor, you mentioned about Saliba being the Rolls Royce. He's he's actually a Rolls Royce which has a Ferrari a performance in him as well. <laughs> yeah. Um and playing the high line, you know Saliba is going to run. He's going to, you know, maybe uh, try and outmuscle a Son. Kane isn't the fastest, but Richardson and Son do have the pace in them. But Gabriel may have that error where Son has the ball, he's trying to break the lines, and Gabriel pulls him back. And we're just like, uh-oh. And it's us. It's us. Like, Gabriel could have just, like, nudged him and... I don't know, 30 match ban or something. So <laughs> you do have you do have that concern. You do have that worry about us. And again, I think they, the boys knew what they were doing. Arteta knew what he was doing. And again, the the score in this case, the score does reflect the performance. So I'm, I'm, yeah. I think we're all very happy about it. Yeah, I think he's got to be um, the next project. Now that um, Arteta has completely sorted out his first project in Xhaka and turned it into the best number eight in the world. He's got to now, <laughs> he's got to now work on Gabriel and make him the best uh, central defender in the world. Maybe he's the best number thirty-four in the world. That 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 I can give you <laughs> the best thirty-four in the world. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so Ryan, I mean, coming into the half time, I, I actually think that just before half-time, we started to get our act together, which was which was good. I think we had a couple of opportunities and started controlling the game again before the half-time whistle. But how were you feeling going into sort of half-time? Were you slightly worried as well about, oh, God, are we going to have another 80% game where we you know 8% possession, dominating the game, but there's sort of, you can see us losing like with the fluky long ball goals in... Akin to that Man United game that happened. Um, in terms of how I was feeling after, was all after, I was disappointed in the sense that it's one all because it wasn't a one all game. We completely dominated. It was. Yeah, I'm a big thing about what Stan, what Kunjan said about winning both our halves as well. I mean, how many times have I mentioned that in the past? I'm a big fan of that, and we've been doing that a lot lately um, this season. So yeah, I was I was really disappointed about that. So yeah, what didn't really help, what really frustrated me when I was it when I was I was I was in the stadium block four and what was frustrating me and other fans was the referee, who by the way has got a reputation this season for being very lenient with Tottenham and it's another London derby, um, was quick enough giving the free kicks and penalties for them in that first half. Literally didn't hesitate. Whenever yeah, whenever no. we were getting kicks in the air, he was waiting five to ten seconds, then he had blow. Or he just wouldn't give us anything, and that was frustrating. And then when they gave when he gave the penalty, he was like, oh, "Of course you're going to give the penalty, even though it was a penalty." It was like, "Oh, of course you would." He didn't again. He did. He doesn't even hesitate. But the fact it was a one-all, it didn't feel like a one-all game because we were it was a dominant. Every we just look at them, the stats come up on the screen at half time, and I'm thinking again, how is it one-all? Because we've apart from that one goal, it's one top and target for them. We've completely, absolutely trounced them. Like mm. I said to you last night, when the game kicked off, they they got the ball, passed it, made a couple of passes, and pinged it to us, and went come at us then, and we we're counter attacking. Yeah. It didn't work, obviously, because like other uh, a couple of people in the chat said, Kane's not the quickest, Son's out of form, Richardson is just sort of falling over, falling all over the shop when there's no even around him sometimes, um, and they had no midfield. Their midfield was. 
non-existent. I mean, that's partly down to our midfield actually having a good a good relationship and a good bond with each other and knowing each other's roles respectively and know, knowing they can rely on each other going forward and backwards, etc. So there's just, the frustration was there. I wasn't worried in the sense of are we going to lose it in terms of our, by our own doing? I was more concerned if we lose it, is it because of the ref maybe? Maybe the ref does what he did against Chelsea and lets things go that he shouldn't. I think, apart from that, because uh, we're, we're at home, I was thinking, you know what, I, I, te- I, I believe in our Arteta te- nowadays that he'll get that team into, into the dressing room and say, look, we dust ourselves down, we haven't won the first half, it, it is what it is, but keep doing what you're doing. Keep plugging away. The opportunities will come, and when they do, you take them, and we'll get out of this with three points. And we did, yeah. and we absolutely just, uh, we deserve. <coughs> I don't get what the media say. There's a there's a there's it's a one the most one-sided North London derby, home or away, that I've seen in a long time. Yeah, definitely. That's saying something. That what well, I think the stat was they had one shot on target from open play during the whole game, didn't they? I think that yeah, was it's a P roller as well. Yeah, exactly. So we, I was, we I was, limited them to nothing. Yeah, yeah, sorry to cut you, Andrew. I was a little bit disappointed no, no. watching match of the day because some of their analysis yeah, seemed to be uh, that we'll try and make um, it more balanced. Spurs it? were having more of an off off day, and I think it was Ian Wright and Alan Shearer. Obviously, love Ian Wright, but you know they kind of alluded that maybe their passing and their final ball yeah. was was more off. And there might be some elements of that, but I think it's it's really how we dictated that game, and you know we didn't allow them clear opportunities. They had to get their passing yeah. almost spot on because they didn't have the time or the space as such to be able to execute it like they they often do. So I thought that was a little bit of a discredit to us, and uh, yeah, I thought we I thought we managed it pretty well to be honest. Yeah, definitely. And going into the second half, all of our nerves were calmed very early doors um, with regards to them potentially coming back and so on and so forth. We score. And that was just such a great time to score just after half time. We've had this conversation a bit earlier in the show about the finish and the way that we scored that goal and the tenacity and determination, the knowing that, you know, to follow it in. Because, I mean, it all started off with, obviously, a great shot by Saka, which mm-hmm. who also had a fantastic game, by the way. I think, I honestly think that he's showing signs of getting back to his absolute best. And he's, he's going to start scoring soon. There's no doubt about that as well. But the fact that he's, the way that he's playing just looks, it's just beautiful to watch, to be honest. Anyway, he cuts in and makes that shot. And the fact that we're shooting more was alluded to at the end of the game. I think Verdegaard mentioned that when he was talking about the Partey goal, that the practicing things like that, to, which helps break down a low block. You know, if you can score from outside the box, it's a massive, uh, which Trent Alexander Arnold just did, by the way, with great free kick uh, against Rangers in the Champions League that's on at the moment. But if we can score from just outside the goal, uh, outside the box, sorry, it's going to make the job a lot easier. And obviously, we had the goal by Vieira in the Europa League. Uh, which is a superb goal from outside the area. We've obviously had the goal from Partey in this game as well. Um, but yeah, the way that 
he followed up that shot, Gabriel Jesus. It just would not have happened last season. We wouldn't have had that striker that's, that was in that position who had the intelligence to think, right, this goal, goalkeeper could spill this. And he was right on there, beat the goal. The defender was just like just static. He nicked it off the defender mm-hmm. and scored. And as I mentioned earlier, such an Ian Wright type of finish. It just great to have that type of striker. So it really settled the nerves though, didn't it, Ray? And we really sort of controlled the game completely again from there on in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, we alluded to it earlier um, with, uh, with Gabriel Jesus, but again, I'll sort of go back to it. There was so many different phases and assets to it. You know, as you mentioned, the shot from Saka itself. Um, I thought Lloris was meant to be injured, by the way. But apparently, you know, he he sort of miraculously recovered for the uh, for the game, which you know, brilliant. Um, but yeah, obviously he he messed that up, and some strikers maybe wouldn't anticipate a mistake happening. Um, and then again, it happens. He anticipates it. Um, Romero, who again um, speaking with uh, with the enemy, uh, they really do rate and really do say he's a uh, a top defender in world football. Um, he absolutely just held him off and he's half his yeah. size. And then the, the skill and composure to, uh, all right, it's, it's you know, it, it's virtually a, a tap-in, but you still got to execute it. And as I mentioned earlier, you know, you, it's easily to go bundling into the, the goalkeeper, which, yeah. you know, is always a foul or, or even foul the uh, the defender, which he, which he didn't do. He was able to hold him very, very smartly. So there were so many different parts to that goal and you've just got to be switched on for every single single part of it. And all of this is happening in a split second, isn't it? So um, he's a very, very intelligent footballer, Gabriel Jesus. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we, we needed something like that because because um, that's how Spurs defend, right? They just sit there and we had to, yeah. we couldn't we couldn't necessarily pass through them. We had to, shoot there had to be a deflection that to be some sort of error from from them really i feel anyway yeah. to uh to to break them exactly well that's the the big part of taking shots from either just inside or just outside the area anything can happen it can take a wicked deflection uh and go yeah. in it could you know ricochet yeah. into someone's path i mean even... or it could be spilt by the goalkeeper like it happened yeah i mean even with the parte goal i'm i feel like they probably thought let Thomas Partey shoot because he's been doing that every game since he plays yeah. and it always goes yeah. into the, you know, the top tier. Um, so let, let him shoot. Um, but what it done is it obviously went in the top bins. He, he broke their, their deadlock and um, you know, it was a real FU goal, wasn't it? It was uh, one of the best moments of the game. Actually. I don't know if you noticed it, the camera panned to, um, a very sad-looking Harry Kane walking back to the halfway line after we scored that mm. Partey goal, and mm. you could just see him go, "Oh fuck!" But you can <laughs> see that, was, and I really enjoyed can, that. <laughs> you can see that in Harry Kane's face there. You can literally see the game plan change, can't you? Because the yeah. game plan was, "All right, they're just going to try and pass it for us, and as you say, walk it in." But when you score a goal like that on the edge of the box, it, it, you have to completely rip up the rule book, and you almost have to start again, don't you? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's why it's so disappointing to concede a penalty again to Spurs. I mean, it's just inevitable, isn't it? It's like death, taxes, and Spurs are going to get a penalty against Arsenal. 
That's the only certainty yeah. in life. And it's just so disappointing the way that they... Because everyone just goes on about, oh, that was his, I think, what was it, 100th away goal in the league or something like that. And yeah. Yeah, it's just a fucking penalty. You know, it, take away the penalties. Hurricane's not, not a lot, really, is it? I'll tell you what, he's one of the laziest players you'll ever see. I mean, I watched him, <coughs> excuse me, um, I watched the England games, which I don't know why I did. It's absolutely wow. dreadful. Um, and I just watched him as well. He walks around the pitch. Never ever presses, doesn't do any work of any kind whatsoever. Uh, just he's such a lazy player, lucky player. I mean, anyway, it's not a Spurs podcast, but I just wanted to make that point. But so, yeah, so I mean, going on, if it was a Spurs podcast, it'd be over in a minute. We are shit. Good night, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. Well, unless you watch expressions and just swears for about you know half an hour, which is quite, quite amusing. Um. But yeah, I mean, after that, again, we just, it's a game of keep ball, really, wasn't it, Conjan? And uh, the next sort of thing of note, really, I mean, I know we had a few uh, chances and some great play again. Um, but the next really th- real thing of note is the sending off. And I said on Ryan's channel last night, my honest opinion, right, when I was just watching it, I thought, oh, that's a booking straight away. I thought, that's a real hard tackle. I didn't notice it to be straight straight away. I'm being completely honest when I was watching it. Oh, straight away, that's a red card. So when the red card came out, I was like, oh, <laughs> that's good. We've actually got something that's going in our favour just for once. But then obviously you do see the replays and you can see how bad the tackle was. The ball was nowhere near him. He had been getting rinsed to pieces by Martinelli the whole game and it was complete and utter just annoyance. It was just um, one of those tackles where you just thought, well, fuck this. I'm not getting in anywhere with this guy. He was, let's remember that Martin Lee was actually running towards his own goal when this happened as well. No need to make that tackle at all. Um, so yeah, it was a clear sending off when, uh, but only for me really, when I've been completely honest, after what, the event had actually happened. What happened. Did you think it straight away? So I was actually uh, messaging uh, a group that we're all in. And as soon as the tackle happened, I wrote, has to be a red. Um, Because he went studs in. He was at Martinelli's uh, ankle. Um, You know, he was lunging in. And I think think, um, Ray said earlier about the penalty, that if that happened to us, we'd expect a penalty. And I straight away thought, I'm like, when Xhaka went lunging in when we lost to Man City last season, nobody complained saying that's not a red. In fact, if anything, we're like, Xhaka is an idiot. It's a different story. We, everyone's uh, eating humble pie for saying that now. But uh, it, like <laughs> the, the minute I saw the tackle, I was like, he's gone. He has to be gone. And if it was a yellow card, he's the luckiest man on that pitch. Um, mm. And... I think even Emerson Royale did not make a case for it. He he got the card, he went to Martinelli, and he walked. Uh, I think Conte was more infuriated about the decision than Emerson Royale because I think he knew it. The minute he had lunged in, and and he, I, I, again, Ray mentioned this earlier, like he was, he was running circles around Martinelli. He was frustrated. He had had it, and he was just trying to make a statement, but it went wrong, and... It was a well-deserved red card, uh, just as much as it was a well-deserved penalty for them. So if you don't think the penalty 
he was deserved, which obviously every Spurs fan went out around and say, if we had it another way, we'd not have the penalty and, and, and not have a red card. We'd still get yeah, rid. Exactly. That is the fact of the story. But um, no, it was a straight red. I, 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 I again stand by that there have been decisions that have gone our way. Let's not forget the infamous David Luiz invisible tackle that resulted in a red card. <laughs> Until today, we don't know what touched him, was it? We don't know what touched him, what, 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 what Wolves players were. Was it a gush of carbon dioxide that went into David Luiz's foot? But <laughs> we don't know. But, well, but the truth well, is, let's he not got forget. sent off for that. Yeah. Let's not forget the amount of challenges that Kane was getting away with throughout the entire match. As well. You know, when you, you mentioned that he's a lazy player. Um, I, I, I wanted to add on to that. He's a big bully. And it's not the English player, the English league bully. He'll just like throw himself on, on, on players. If, if I didn't know better, I think Kane was single. You know, the way he's always throwing himself on everyone. Because mm. at any and every given opportunity, have a look. He'll just like back into a guy and then fly up in the air and... And, 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 and there's nothing. I mean, when we talk about Harry Kane, we talk about Harry Maguire, and everyone speaks of an agenda. It's, the proof is in the pudding, but let's not get into that because that's, again, a different podcast for a different day that can last hours and hours. But it was such a deflated performance from Spurs, and Emerson Ryle just put the cherry on the cake to say, we give up. If you're telling me Harry Kane was swearing after parties go, Emerson Royale just just book ended the whole thing by saying we're done. We want to go home. Didn't he yeah, spend like eight hundred grand or something? Sorry, Andrew. Didn't he spend like eight hundred grand as well um, in order to improve as a footballer, Emerson? One Royale. million, a million, one million, pounds. and he's you know <laughs> fantastic hey? money well spent. Really is, isn't it? I don't, I don't know the story. Have you not heard this? No. He's, he's, he's got like, um, you know, like hyperbolic chambers for like recovery and all of this um, to, and try and, you know, improve as an athlete. And uh, as Ryan said, <laughs> he spent up to a million pounds of his own money to improve, to prove to Antonio Conte that he should be playing in the team. And then he goes and does something like that. It's, you can't write it. You really can't. <laughs> He's one of the worst right but I've said this on many occasions I've ever seen in the Premier League. He's awful. Yeah, and we were looking Absolutely at him at one awful. point, weren't we? So he, yeah. he really did dodge a bullet there. To, to, think, yeah. to think, yeah, Thank we could have, uh, they could have had Tommy Asu and we could have had him. Bloody hell. I know. Unbelievable. How much did they spend on Jed Spence? Was it like 20 million or was it 15 million on Jed Spence? 15, 20, I think, yeah. I mean, it, it's good. It just goes to show that maybe the seats... Uh, at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium are quite comfortable that a £15 million signing can sit there <laughs> and not flinch a muscle. It, 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 it's amazing. Those seats must be really good. He, well, yeah. I think I don't know whether it's on record or not, but it's quite widely known that Conte doesn't rate him. He didn't want him. He didn't want him Jed Spence. at all. Wasn't he signing? No. He's making, he's making it perfectly clear now. So. Do you know what? If, if then the, you... the worst thing that could happen... Sorry, Ray, just quick yeah. one. The worst thing for us really, as Arsenal fans, could be that the Emerson Royale sending off forces him to play Jed Spence. <laughs> and Jed Spence actually does really well. And that could yeah. be uh, one of those moments where, you know, unexpectedly a player comes in because of injury and, and just 
the place is his then from then on. And I hope yeah, that I doesn't just, happen, really. Yeah, I hope so. I was just going to say that he come out earlier, Conte, saying that he doesn't rate uh, uh, Matt Doherty. Yeah, 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 so, you know, what what's that going to do to to the team morale, you know? I'm looking at it, and obviously I'm laughing, it's brilliant, but I'm sort of looking at it and going, this is going to go one or two ways. It's either, you know, going to really unite them and he's going to put in uh, Jed Spence and blah, blah, blah. Or Conte's just going to tear that, that dressing room apart and they're going to have enough of him and eventually force well, him out. It's, it's, I said this roughly on your show yesterday, didn't I, Ryan, about the players yeah. starting to... if They will start to get really pissed off with the way they play football because, yeah. you know, Rich Allison and Son were basically having to play so deep they were almost like wing-backs and yeah. defending on the edge of their box. They're not going to want to do that. And it's funny enough, because I listened to another... I spent half my time advertising this up the podcast, don't I? But the Arsenal Vision podcast, which is a great podcast, I can't deny it. Clive said a very similar thing today when I listened to it. He said that um, Son's just... what All he wants to do is run forward and shoot a goal. He's not going to be happy defending on the edge of his box for much longer. And as soon as the players start complaining about this to, to Conte, if they've got the balls to do so, the whole dressing room could just fall apart just like that. And we've seen it so many times under Conte, it's other clubs, where it happens and all of a sudden it's just it just collapses. I would not be surprised at all if, if in the next two or three months this, this happens at Tottenham, the players get really disillusioned with the roles that they're having to play and it would all just go to shit. I really do believe that. And it's funny that Clive said a very similar thing that I was listening to today as well. He's noticed it, and I I noticed it yesterday. Mm. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if it just you know we get the usual Conte collapse. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all. I don't see. I honestly don't see Conte seeing the season out, and even even if he does, he'll be gone in the summer anyway. Because that's what he does. He does it. He does a two season or a year and a half stint, and he goes on to the next job. Because he doesn't get what he wants. He throws his toys at his pen, goes on to the next job and over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm uh, mate, I don't, it's Tottenham. I'm loving it's it. It's so funny, isn't it? It's they, so they, funny. They, they had Potch. He did, they bought the golden generation food, won nothing with him. Got to a Champions League final. Didn't, lost like, 30 seconds, bottled it. They have since then had Mourinho, Trophy Mourinho. Didn't win no trip, sacked the guy before the final. Mourinho won the conference league with Roma. Sorry to cut you, Ryan, but he won the he won a trophy of Roma, yeah. but not Tottenham. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> oh, no, only Tottenham could do that as well. Then they brought the Spirit of San Jose to replace him eventually. Gave him, gave him what, eight days and basically like, off you go because Harry Kane's not happy. He wants us, he wants out, so you're all gone. Kane goes, I want a world-class manager. They've got Conte after saying that somebody won't you're not having what you want. We'll give you what you want now. And they haven't, they haven't really backed him. I don't care what anyone says. They didn't really back him in the window. It's just, as you say, they brought players in like Jed Spence that he doesn't even rate. They spent Which about is, the same as us, didn't they? Yeah. In the summer. Yeah. More, I think they spent more than us. Yeah, I think they did. Six, put 60 yeah. million on bloody Richardson. What was it? The first signing they made a big deal out of it was Perisic, the national three. They made a big deal out of it. He's what, 33 yeah. plus? He's, yeah. like, he's one of yeah. the basically. 
and he was he was so ineffective against us, wasn't he, Perisic? Like oh, yeah. I, I can't remember anything of any note that he really done. I think he's struggling with the pace of the Premier League. I mean, it could have been yeah. predicted easily that he's going to struggle at his age coming into the Premier League now um, at the pace that it is and the, the position that he's been asked to play as wing-back, which is probably the most strenuous position you can play on the pitch. Mm. Um, he's struggling. He's struggling big time. I just want to add on to what Ryan said. Ryan made a very interesting point about the chron- uh, chronological order of the managers. There is a very uh, clear pattern in that. Post Pochettino, Mourinho, uh, Nuno, Espirito Santos, and now Conte, all three of them play very boring football, for lack of a better passive, word. Passive. Yeah. And 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 if we look at what Pochettino did. Pochettino brought this streamlined football, this very silky, you know, very attacking. That's where the names like, like Son was a player. He became a world-class player under Pochettino. And all these three managers have somehow managed to bring him a notch below. There are rumors of uh, Juventus wanting to get rid of uh, Allegri and bring in Conte which does leave the door open for Pochettino to come back. Or Allegri to go in. <laughs> that would be hilarious. Yeah. Or but again, Allegri to go to first. But if the ethos, if what the ethos for what these guys are working on is, let's play um, you know, the, the 1800 style of football, then even Pochettino's out. Because it, it must be that this is what they're working towards. Because they must be looking at the blueprint of what Conte did with Chelsea and saying, Despite him winning uh, the Premier League, he did play it with this style. Jose Mourinho won the Premier League with the same style. Um, Wolves were propelled to a certain status with this style. I, We may not be fans of it, but every management out there must be thinking, it's a safe option, let's put our money on. Yeah. That's it. It's, 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 it is a safe option. You know, it's... It's boring, but it gets results, right? And that's what they're banking on. They're banking on just getting, whether it's one nil wins or whatever, just to get over the line, just to propel them up the table and get, you know, try and win a trophy. It's not exciting at all. Um, And if they're out of the competitions and they're nowhere near, well, the top of the league or even Champions League, I'm sure, like you guys alluded to earlier, Conte will be gone. And they probably will be crying for uh, Pochettino or whoever else to, to come back. So The trouble Long is that whatever manager they have, there will always be Spurs. And that's the problem. And the, <laughs> but the, the, the squad that they've got, it's just a, a stale squad. It, they're all over the age curve or getting there. Mm. And they've got, they've got to do a whole complete reset, which they'll never do. because they, they, You mentioned, that, Andrew, they? sorry, you mentioned they have a stale squad. If you remember the transfer window, when they were judging who had the better window, not a single channel said Arsenal had the better window. Not a single, not a single channel, not a single pundit said Arsenal had the better window. Everyone said, we're happy with what Arsenal have done, but Tottenham have gone and bought right. They've got youth with experience. They've gone and spent correctly. They have depth. Arsenal don't have that depth. And yet here we are. Exactly, yeah. It's funny. And we, um, we mentioned it. Oh, sorry, Andrew, just to cut in very quick. But um, we, men- we mentioned it earlier with Gabriel Jesus. You know, we're in Europa League and we were able 
and credit to Mikel and, and Edu, they managed to pull a player like that um, yes. where Tottenham couldn't, you know, they had to spend even more money to get Richarlison in. So, yeah. you know, huge amount of credit and, um, you know, they, they brought in some good players, don't get me wrong, but they've just, you know, if, if, if we sign those players um, in Europa League, I think we could sign all them players. Do you know what I mean? Whereas mm. they're playing in Champions League and I feel like they've just brought in Europa level players with that status. Yeah, I think they've, I think they've wasted uh, a window personally. Yeah, just just by the two purchases of Jesus and Zinchenko, makes us have a much 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 better window because mm. of the quality of those multiple multiple winners that we've got and the age that they're at, the price mm. that we paid for them. If you add them both together, it's only a little bit more than what they paid for Richarlison, who, yeah. bless him, bless him, never had more than, what, a 10-goal season at Everton. You know, yeah. and I bet you now he's wishing he was back at Everton. You know, And the ironic just, thing uh, is, it's crazy. the ironic thing as well is that uh, Basuma always had a good game against us when he played for Brighton. And yeah. yet, you know, yeah. he, he'd come on when the game was, was virtually done. So They're not playing him. No, he doesn't not... rate him, does he, Conte? He doesn't rate him. <laughs> it's just, you couldn't write it, could you? It's just absolutely hilarious. But, I mean, let's move on, Ray, to, to our... I mean, obviously, afterwards, we got the, the third goal, but they threw the towel in, like we were discussing earlier. Um, mm-hmm. And at one stage, he had all five substitutes ready to come on. I think he pulled up um, Brian Hill back right at the last minute, um, only made the four substitutions. But... That's pure Conte making it all about him. He mm-hmm. threw the towel in and he could use that sending off then as an excuse as to why they lost the game by making all of the four subs, saying the yeah. game's gone because of that. Because of that sending off. Not because they were being outplayed, mm-hmm. but he knew that they were being dominated, outplayed. So he thought, right, I'll use this moment and we'll take off all the best players. Um and we'll go from there. That, that that was just him all over for me. I, I noticed that straight away. I don't know what your thoughts were. But, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, the, the, obviously, we'll, we'll talk about the third goal as well. What mm. thoughts about that? But that just really was a snidey thing to do from him. It was really cowardly, I thought. Um, Very cowardly. Really, really, really cowardly. You know, if we were in that situation, we were 2-1 down, I'd want our manager to put on attacking substitutions to go for it. A bit like when we lost to United, we were 2-1 down. We had to make some sort of change because we were losing the game anyway. Um, and unfortunately, it, it backfired for us. We we lost that game 3-1. But at least we went and, and tried to get that that equaliser. You know, we, we, were, we weren't negative. We didn't bring on, you know, five defensive players and take off our two of our better attackers <coughs> that day. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean... You know, God forbid, but I'm so glad, you know, if, if you're a Tottenham fan, you know, I'm sure you'd be so annoyed that, you know, he just threw the towel in like that in a North London derby. In a North London derby, that's the main thing, isn't it? They literally gave up in the middle of a North London derby. And if I was a Tottenham fan, I would be absolutely spewing. I don't know about you guys. I mean, I bet their uh, podcasts uh, are absolutely going mental over that decision yeah. i mean yeah yeah it was dreadful really really I mean, you really can, dreadful you can never say never can you but when when i was watching that at that time 
and I saw Son and Richarlison coming off, I thought, that's it. We got this. We got this now. Yeah. You yeah. know, they're going to have to do something mm -hmm. very, very special to to break our defence. Um, they've already had their fortune with the penalty um, and with 10 men as well. Just wasn't happening. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that would have been one of the... I bet the... I don't know. I haven't checked, actually, which I sometimes do. But on Twitter, I wouldn't have minded looking at the hashtag Conte out <laughs> um, on Twitter after we made that decision to bring off all the, the players and just, yeah, and just literally yeah. surrender the game at that point. It was just dreadful, I thought. Really, really cowardly, as you mentioned. And, yeah, just get your thoughts on the, the third goal, really, which came sort of fairly... It, 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 I'm right in thinking. I'm going mental. Just after it was still two one at that point. After yeah, sending yeah, off, it was. Then yeah. he made the substitutions. Then we went three one up shortly after, didn't we? Yes. Yeah, yeah we did. Yeah, yeah it that's was, right. um It was Martinelli, wasn't it, picking up the ball um, and literally yeah. just driving through that midfield, which was non-existent. Unbelievable. So um, good. Bringing Romero out. Um, that yeah. allowed Xhaka to have that space. He had a really good first touch, you know, unlike in the first half. He had a really good first touch this time. Was able just to sort of set it on that left peg um, and smash it past Lloris. And, yeah, what a, what a goal, what a feeling. And, uh, yeah, really, really, really good play. It was. And do you know what? It was one of those goals where you knew, even before he kicked the ball, it was going to be a goal because of the movement he made. The way he yeah. switched it. Obviously, uh, Martinelli took the players away with him. He mm -hmm. the way he switched it onto his left foot and he got that space. He just thought goal yeah. straight away before he'd even hit the ball, didn't he? It was beautiful. Yeah, and we know Jack has got a hammer of a left foot, right? And then you know, the, yeah, in in the box, you know, if he's got a clear shot at goal, you know, you always fancy as long as it's on target, you always fancy it to be a goal. Yeah, and it gave him the same stats as Bernardo Silva and um, uh, and Salah. So far this season, there two go. goals it's and three bad. assists. It's not bad company, <laughs> is it? No, absolutely. It's fantastic. Um, yeah, I mean, Kunjan, let's just have a, a chat really, just finish up really about the, the rest of the second half. It just went really smoothly, didn't it, to be honest with you? The only, the only disappointment maybe is that we didn't get the fourth. That's what I mentioned. I think I think um, we took the, the the foot off the gas, and that's where my biggest problem was because we could have exploited the the, the one uh, advantage we had, which was one more player. But I do also feel even if there were eleven players on the pitch, we were we were confident. We had it together. We had opportunities. I think it was G Gabriel Jesus um, uh, on the far post. He had a clean header, and he and he and he hit it wide. Um, yeah. We we should have had a penalty. I mean, we just didn't make noise about it because we're three one up. They're shit. Why 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 cause more misery? But yeah, I do believe, and and, and it's a statement. You know what? Everybody and and this is getting on my nerves now. Like we're on top of the league. Oh, they haven't faced uh, a big test. We went up against United. Yeah, you see, Arsenal are not good enough. We beat Tottenham. Yes, they beat Tottenham, but Tottenham were 10 men down. I mean, we're just not catching a break. When, when um, I, I, I think it was Ray who mentioned this earlier, and he was mentioning about, um, for example, Conte putting Emerson Royale in instead of uh, Doherty or, or, or Jed Spence. Nobody highlights that. 
not even the Spurs fans, maybe maybe yeah. a section of them do. Mm. When we don't, when we get a Fabio Vieira who's had an injury, uh, he doesn't start. What are Arsenal doing? Do they know their approach? Is this smart of Arsenal? And you're just like, he's going to play. He's injured. They know what they're doing. They know why they're signing their players. And as soon as he kicks in, hmm, this player looks good, but give him time. It's, you know, when we keep saying that there's an agenda, I, I, I know I've messaged Andrew privately because I don't live in England and, and I, I'd, I'd love to know the scene over there. And I keep asking Andrew, is this normal? Because this shouldn't be normal. Why is it that Arsenal have such a big agenda? We're not going to win the Premier League. I promise you, if that happens, you know, heavens will open up. And, uh, and, and we, again, if that happens, we will be called the new Leicester. And you're just like, you know what? We'll take it. Because that's what's been happening. And I digress from what, you, what I was saying earlier about the, the winning. But even mm. if we win 5-1 five, five, or 6-1 or 8-1, they'd have still turned around and said, Yes, Arsenal did win that because A, Tottenham were not good enough on the day and they were down to 10 men. It's not a case of Arsenal were ruthless, Arsenal were clinical. Um, the approach from the manager was very pragmatic. No, none of that. And, and, and there was this whole buildup of Conte is a specialist, he's more experienced, Arteta is still learning the game. I think Bar, Guardiola and Klopp in the league, in the league, I think Arteta has beaten the, li- the likes of Turco, uh, uh, Graham Potter, uh, Mourinho. He's, he's steamrolled past everyone, yet not good enough. No, exactly. It's always been the way. But like um, Steve F said there, I don't really care what they say about us. We just keep winning. And that's the truth. Yeah, but yeah, pretty I, much. There's, always, there's always been an agenda against Arsenal. I really, I go through stages where it just doesn't bother me. I go through stages where I just laugh about it. I go through stages where it gets on my nerves again and I get angry about it. Mm. But at the end of the day, it's always going to happen. Ryan, if we beat Liverpool at the weekend, it would only be because, oh, Liverpool are under par. They've got problems. We can't win. We won't be able to win with with the media if we beat Liverpool at the weekend. Because we'll be we're favourites with the bookies to actually beat them, which is amazing. Um, which, which obviously should be we're top of the league. You know, we're twelve points ahead of them, eleven points ahead of them, whatever it is at the moment. Um, but yeah, we won't. We can't win really with them with regards to whether we do or not. We should. We'll just either get um, if we draw, for example. Oh, Arsenal should have won that game because they're they're in real good form. Liverpool are in poor form. Blah blah blah. If we do win, well, Arsenal should have won that game because <laughs> we're a good for blah blah blah. If we lose, oh, how can Liverpool? How can Arsenal lose to this poor Liverpool team in poor form and Liverpool are back and blah blah blah? So yeah, I mean, what are your um, expectations for? Well, actually, before we go on to that, um, let's talk about match on Thursday because we we touched on it yesterday uh-huh. and. Although as much we'd love to, we can't really make 11 changes because I don't think there's a, a whole other team. We've got a very good strong bench nowadays, but we're missing El Nini. We're missing Smith Rowe, for example. They would have come into the team, no doubt at all. There's a slight nagging doubt about Cedric, which, believe it or not, is a bit disappointing because if Cedric could play, 
that means we could actually move Tomiyasu to the centre-back alongside Holding. That means we could rest both our main centre-backs. But if yeah. Cedric is a bit of a doubt, then maybe Tomiyasu will have to... One of the defenders will have to play, probably Gabriel, because I think... Am I right in saying he played against Zurich, didn't he? Uh, he did, yeah. So we've got the day off that, that night. That's it, yeah. So it'll more likely be... Um, Gabriel and holding at the back if, if Cedric is out. Um, so for once, we need to hope that Cedric plays, I think, <laughs> on Thursday. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so what, I mean, what are your expectations for this? Because I, I've said this before, and I don't think we can take them lightly. I think they're a good side, actually. But we all know they've turned over quite a, some good teams in Europe. So we can't just play like a, the under-21s, for example. So we've got to have a half-decent team out there. We do not want to be on the end of a, a, a shock result. We have to win this group. So how would you sort of look at playing this this game? I mean, the, regarding who you leave in from the first choice players and who you don't. Um, in terms of who I wouldn't, uh, who I start, sorry, in terms of who normally doesn't start, I'd rest Saka for the night, put Marquini off, see so have Saka on the bench just in case. Definitely, uh, yeah. Give Odegaard the night off. Fabio Vieira, give him a chance to get again another chance to stake his claim and give Odegaard a run for his money. So, he's, so he knows he's got competition. Capture the night, you've got competition for your place. Yeah. Um, Eddie, I put Eddie up top, gives a juice the, the night off as well. Hopefully, in definitely, terms of yeah. how things going and all that. Um, yeah. Ben White, I'll give him a night off. Evil way, if even Cedric ain't available, play Tomiyasu at right back. Sorry. And if, obviously, if Cedric ain't available, it means we'd have to, we'd have to drop only one. And I'd literally say, uh, yeah, I'll give, I don't know, I'd have holding alongside probably Gabriel, keep that Europa League partnership going there. And, pay, and bring in uh, Tierney for Zinchenko, give Tierney a bit of game time. And Zinchenko, again, the night off, hopefully, ready ready and fully fit and focused on sun, Sunday's game. And apart from that, I'll keep everything else. I'll keep Rams doing goal. Because I don't want to take the game, like you said last night. I don't, don't want to be changing too much because momentum is key, form. And you don't want to... Any players just get too complacent as well. So... Just a few a few changes, but certain players I'll keep me in like you say. A Ramsdale. Yeah. Obviously one of Steve or Gabriel, more likely Gabriel, keep him in alongside holding, because they know they know each other's well for playing last season. Um the midfield. See, this is interesting, right? I'll get part of the night off because again he's just come back from a knock from international duty. We don't want to really push the boat and risk him being injured for Sunday, so I'd he would, I wouldn't even have I wouldn't even have him on the bench on um, on Thursday. Play Sambi and Saka, and yeah, just go with that. Yes, it's, it's an option to play because Xhaka is almost certainly going to be playing because he's like he's almost like um, Harland. He's he's like a cyborg, isn't he? Really, you never get gets injured, he plays 90 minutes for club and country every single game that he gets an opportunity mm. to play. Um, but there's an opportunity here because Zinchenko hasn't played a lot of football recently. 
Um, he didn't play for during the international break. Obviously, I know he, he was recovering from a knock, but it wasn't like a major serious knock. He's back now. He played most of the game against Tottenham. There's an opportunity potentially, I don't think he'll do it, but he could take the role that Xhaka's playing and have Tierney behind him, which would mean Xhaka can actually get a rest on Thursday. I doubt whether that'll happen, but I mean, that's an option, isn't it, Ray? Yeah, I, I do hear that. Um, I mean, if I was Mikel Arteta, I would probably say to Xhaka, um, we'll give you an hour. Um, hopefully the game would be out of sight by then, but if, if not, we'll, we'll, we'll leave you on for an hour. Um, yeah, I, I never really thought of that. We could bring on uh, we could bring on Zinchenko to play that that role. Um, I just think we need to manage Kieran Tierney as well. So if he is playing mm. left back, then I'd be more inclined to to bring Tierney on. I'm sorry, uh, Zinchenko on for Tierney. Um, but going back to what Ryan was saying about uh, about Gabriel at the back, I think it's a perfect game. Even if we had. Uh, uh, Cedric fully fit, I'd still play Tommy Asser at right back and Gabriel centre back against more yeah. favourable opposition to get a bit more confident to you know uh, try and iron out some of these mistakes he's been making, um, yeah. and hopefully you know he can he can take that into the next game and and moving forward. Um, yeah, I also think I'd probably and this is a risk, but I think I'd also probably play Martinelli. Um, on the uh, on the left wing or right wing, um, but then again, sort of say to him a bit like Xhaka, we're going to give you um, forty five minutes to an hour, um, and then you're you're coming off. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably be inclined to do that as well, and maybe he could be replaced by um, uh, Reese Nelson. Reese Nelson, thank you. Yeah. Exactly, because Reese Nelson is quite widely tipped. I think I saw Charles Watts maybe saying that he's probably likely to start. But I would, because let's not forget, we've got five subs now, obviously, as well. Let's, I think we could play relatively strong first half, try and get the game won first half. If not, maybe 60-minute mark, and then you've got, you can take off all the, the main yeah. players if, if yeah. you've got a good enough scoreline. That's why I'd start uh, Martinelli, for example, because yeah. I do feel like he could um, really uh, go at that photo glimp defence um, and, you know, be a real plus for us. So, yeah. like I say, I would, I would start him. Um, hopefully the game is going our way. Hopefully they're out of sight by sort of 50, 60 minutes. Then we can start moving on to Liverpool game and thinking about that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. It's, it's a tough one, really, because, um, you know, with regards to play, playing players like Xhaka, because we always say, and I touch wood here, definitely, because I mean, he, about the injury situation, he never gets injured, but it'd be sod's law, he'll get a knock. Yeah. Maybe if it only rules him out for one game, but he's ruled out for the Liverpool game, and yeah. we cannot afford that. I mean, well, none of us would ever... Dreamed would be saying this, obviously, a couple of years ago, but he is probably one of our most important players at the moment. Now, Granit Xhaka. Well, I would, There's, I would uh, say that uh, Mikel could play a kid from the reserves, but if he does that, he'll probably get uh, moaned at on Talksport, won't he? So, uh, yeah, I'm not sure if he's allowed to do it or not. Yeah, yeah, disrespectful <laughs> yeah. playing a 15 year old, blah 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 blah. Yeah, exactly. Well, it might be. It's interesting to see whether he'll make the bench, isn't it? Um, 
on Thursday. It's uh, an option. Eaton. Because, I mean, yeah. the same with three or four nil up. God, hopefully that'll be the case. 60 minutes gone. And he brings off Granite Xhaka and puts him on for giving him another half an hour. That'd be really exciting to see. This is the great thing about the Europa League. It's got its many, many detractors. No one wants to be in it. Everyone wants to be in the Champions League. But when you're in the Champions League, like Tottenham, I believe, I'm right in saying, started the same team that they put out against the North London derby tonight. You don't get the opportunity to play and, and properly right. rotate in the group stages as you do in the Europa League. And I do enjoy seeing um, the, the the fringe players, the bench players and the young players coming through and playing a lot of the mm. games in the Europa League. I do always enjoy that. And that's the See, one always... good thing about it. I always see this argument with Europa League saying, oh, it's um, it's Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday, you know, can your team cope in Europe? But depending on the opposition and if you manage it well, yeah. I always feel like you can almost have two different teams, especially a big yeah. club like Arsenal that have the squad to do it. So in theory, we should still be able to rest our first team for the majority of it. I think it's maybe the PS, uh, uh, G, uh, not G, PSV game. PSV, yeah. PSV. I think that's the only one that I'd probably go really strong in. But then other than that, I feel like we could navigate um, in the other two games. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And it's, it's almost easier because there's not much difference. I mean, sometimes you play Tuesday, obviously Saturday in, in the Champions League. Yeah. It's, it could be Wednesday, Saturday. Not much difference between that and Thursday, Sunday, obviously. <laughs> Same amount of days yeah. between them, funnily enough. But, like you said, you do have the chance to rest more players when you're in the Europa League than you do in the Champions League. So it's going to be a lot tougher next year when we're in the Champions League, quite comfortably say that, um, than it is this season. So, mm -hmm. And also we've got a very, very good genuine chance of winning the competition, which I desperately want us to do. Yeah, I'd well. love us to. Really I'd absolutely love us to, to win Europa League this, this season. Me too, yeah, 100%. I mean, imagine it. Uh, Whatever we do in the league, first, second, third, whatever, be mm -hmm. incredible, be a great season. But to top that off with the European trophy, uh, yeah. outstanding. And, and imagine the way that we were ridiculed at the end of last season by all the Spurs fans saying, oh, they, you know, we collapsed, <laughs> we, we're in the Champions League, you're in the Europa League. But we go and then have an incredible season in the Premier League and win the, the competition we were yeah. in. Yeah, yeah. and it's only, it's only four places, isn't it? It's only four places yeah. for the English teams. So if we could do yeah. both, in theory, we'd knock one of our rivals out of the Champions League <laughs> spot by doing so, you know, by taking one of the top four as well as winning it. So, yeah, it would just be so sweet in order to, in order to do it that way. It'd be amazing. And uh, we all know who that team we want to knock out of the Europa, the Champions League. <laughs> we all know who we want that to be as well. But yeah, it'd be outstanding. Um. I think we're going to sort of leave it there. We've done about an hour and a half or longer than we anticipated. We've had a great conversation. We can leave the Liverpool chat until next Tuesday. Um, been a really real joy to talk to you all this evening. I've really, really enjoyed it. I hope you all have. Uh, thank you to everyone in the chat. It's been fantastic. I've been putting all the comments up there by you all. Some really, real good stuff. So thanks for that. Give us a like, please, before you leave. I'd be really grateful of that. Don't ask for that very often, but it does obviously help. Subscribe if you haven't done so already as well. And, yeah, once again, guys, thanks ever so much, Ray, for coming on tonight. Hopefully we'll see you again very, very soon. 
yeah thank you again for having me and uh you know big up to the rest of the panel big up the chat box um i see you putting your comments in there so uh yeah thank you for keeping this company fantastic and once again kunjan thank you very much for joining us my friend my friend thank you buddy and i just wanted to tell you something that um you'd been actually MIA for quite a few weeks uh i actually have this message from someone here in kenya uh, who follows your podcast um he runs a, a sports shop and it's called Rollis. And he's sent this message over here that says, please tell Mr. Andrew we miss him in Kenya and would want more of him. That's from Rollis. He's oh, really... Thank you very much, he's, he's Actually, he's a, he's a big fan and um, he's uh, he was quite disappointed not to have you on for a week. So I hope I hope for Rollis' sake, not for our sake or anyone else's sake, just for Rollis' case, I hope you do this every week and maybe twice a week or thrice a week, daily, because you're doing it for him. Not for anybody else, just for him. Fantastic. Big up, Rollis. Fantastic. And if you want to sponsor the show, DM me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, please. I'll take 50%. (laughs) Yeah, agency fee. Yeah, definitely. I'll do it. I'll do it. And Ryan, thank you very much, mate. It's been great to see you again. And uh, obviously, until the next time, brother. Yeah. Uh, thanks again for having me on. And yeah, been, again, big shout out to everyone in the chat and Ray and Conjan and yourself. Enjoy this. And, and again, great weekend for you because obviously your birthday. So happy birthday, birthday as well. Yeah. Thank you very you much. Know, wish you happy birthday. birthday. birthday yeah. That must have been the perfect weekend for you. Birthday, yeah. day late in offline and Derby, day win. And now you're back on the pod, doing the podcast again. Yeah, exactly. Been a great, great weekend. The one that I won't forget for a very long time. Definitely, mm. definitely. So, yeah, thanks all again, once again. And, uh, yeah, like, subscribe. Same with Ryan's channel, obviously, as well. Jump, you all know that. Make sure you subscribe to that. And uh, we'll have a chat about um, the ongoing Sunday shows that we've been doing, uh, Ryan and I, the Q&A show. We'll get that back up and running as well as soon as possible. Um, But until then, guys, take care and up the arsenal. Come on, you gunners. Come on, you gunners, indeed. Thank you for listening to From Dial Square to Air. Please help us grow by giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and following the show on your preferred podcast platform. Please also visit our Facebook page, our Twitch channel and of course our YouTube channel, and whilst you are there, please subscribe and hit the notification button so you don't miss any upcoming shows. Please also press the like button on the video so we can get recommended by YouTube to other Arsenal fans all around the world. See you soon. to the central line to say you will know that Tottenham are shit. Tottenham Hotspur are shit.